1: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
0: This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Destiny Neville of Commerce, Texas. Destiny will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com.
2: I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Lauren Milberger. And these are their stories.
1: You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Lion Order, Lion Order, Lion Order. It's no ordinary police procedure, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Lion Order, Lion Order, Lion Order, Lion Order. These are their stories, these are their stories.
2: Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspire their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent SVU or Original Recipe. And Today, we're looking at the Mothership Law & Order, Season 15, Episode 3, The Brotherhood.
1: Are you threatening
2: me,
0: Mr. Marsden?
1: Why would I want to threaten you, Judge. You wouldn't if you know what's good for you.
2: Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca.
3: Thanks for having me back, Kevin.
2: Rounding out our panel is our special guest. From the Murphy Brown Podcast, it's Lauren Milberger. Hi, Lauren. Hello.
3: So happy to be here. I get the connection now. I get it.
2: You get it now? (laughs)
4: Yeah. Gee, I wonder why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Boggles the mind. (laughs) Figured it out.
2: (laughs) Lauren, you've got a new podcast project. It involves George Burns and Gracie Allen. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yes, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I, I have written a play on George Burns and Gracie Allen, and I've turned scenes from the play into uh, a little mini podcast. And then the lovely actor Stephen Tobolowsky uh, does little intros to sort of keep you up to speed, you know, on what's going on in the play. And it's all original. It's not, you know, uh, just them doing the act. Uh, I've spent about uh Almost over a decade, you know, on and off researching them. I've written a lot of essays on Gracie Allen. Uh, and it's a story I just think doesn't get told, uh, unfortunately, overshadowed by Lucy, who's very big right now and who's amazing. And But there wouldn't be a Lucille Ball without a amazing.
2: Gracie Allen. Right. So is it actually a myth that their most famous one-liner never happened? The one where George will yeah. say, say, goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. And she says, goodnight, Gracie, that that never happened.
4: No, it's what you might refer to now as the Mandela effect.
2: Hmm. Ah. <laughs> so,
4: and and listen, you know, there might be one out there where she does it. I kind of doubt it. I've seen so many episodes of their television series, of their radio show. And their famous saying was, he would tell her to say goodnight, and she would just say, goodnight. Hmm. And that was it. Um, and somehow it got... Um, Well, the Mandela effect. But I think it really has to do with the fact that it does sort of fit into her character, because her character was someone who was like a Phoebe Buffay or a uh, Rose Nyland on Golden Girls, really sort of had her own sense of the world and maybe would be considered sort of, quote unquote, stupid. But she wasn't.
2: So Burns and Allen... And Murphy Brown, you are always on the cutting edge of pop culture.
4: <laughs> oh yes, oh I'm so so in the know with the with the young people and uh, what's 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 in the vernacular and and you know stand culture. Oh, that's me.
2: So Lauren, of all the franchises, and please tell us in a Gracie Allen voice, who's your favorite Law and Order detective team?
1: Favorite Law
4: and Order
1: detective
4: team. Wow, well, you know it's very hard because I really <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> But I would really have to say that um, my favorite are the original recipe team because it's just the original. And, you know, you, you got to look over a dead body and, you know, make a witty quip. It just you can't have Law & Order without that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Excellent. All right. Now, let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Law & Order Season 15, Episode 3, The Brotherhood. You know, I'm just trying to get my pregnant girlfriend to the hospital, and then I stumble across a dead body. Fuck my life.
1: <laughs> Single gunshot to the back of the head, close range. No exit wound. Check out the gang debts on his arms. Yeah, those are standard-issued prison shoes. Feel pretty solid, too. There's a lot of recreation time upstate.
2: The victim is fresh out of Sing Sing, Billy Trammell, a member of the Brotherhood, the white power prison gang, He's got a bullet in his head, pizza in his stomach, and a recent skull fracture. Fontana and Green track down Tremel's robbery partner. Is he the killer? He said Tremel had been complaining about his girlfriend. Is she the killer? She says that her current boyfriend went to tell Tremel to back off. Is he the killer? He says Tremel had pushed the girl to smuggle heroin into the prison. So the detectives visit Sing Sing to talk to the head of the Latin Kings. Is he the killer? <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, the Brotherhood's rival for the uh, prison drug trade? Uh, he says that Tremell got the skull fracture from a screw. I mean, a corrections officer. <laughs> what? Who got a swing in while breaking up a fight. To confirm the story, they play Ask an Aryan with Kyle Marsden, head of the Brotherhood. Is he the killer? <laughs> he confirms the story, though, about the guard. The superintendent, is he the killer? No. Uh, He says that John Worley is one of their best guards. Worley tells Fontana and Green that he had a beer with his partner the night that Trammell was murdered. The partner says there was bad blood between Worley and Trammell. He's sure the drugs found on his straight-laced son's car were planted by the Brotherhood, and the soon-to-be-released gang member was threatening the guard. The cops recover the murder weapon, a missing prison-issued handgun with Worley's fingerprints. His easy pass shows him coming and going from the city that night. And the evidence is thin, but the motive is excellent, so Van Buren tells them to make an arrest.
3: All right, do you care that you mispronounced Tremel the whole time?
2: What is it, Tremel? It's tr- it's Tremel. Tremel. What did I say? <laughs>
3: tremel. <laughs> I mean, you
4: can always read that later if you care. You know
2: what? I don't care. We're okay, moving great. on. <laughs>
4: okay, Just asking. <laughs> it's 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 Fontana themed, though, right? Tr- it's, it's tremel. <laughs> oh, no, totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely fine.
2: <laughs> uh, so Green is only three episodes in with his new partner Fontana, or as Fontana likes to say. Finally, got a partner with some smooth. Oh. Wasn't problematic then. Uh, he calls the shooting a public service homicide. And when he learns that there was pizza in the victim's stomach,
1: he says, you know, There's two things every con wants the minute they get out. Second one is a pizza.
3: This is why we hit cops, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then Rogers yells back, huh, Really? What's the first? As if we didn't get the joke.
3: Yes, yes. It's always fun when you have to explain
4: a joke. It always makes it funnier.
2: Yeah. What? What? I don't know. What comes first before pizza? A Pepsi? What do you <laughs> think? Oh,
4: yes. I'm sure that that's exactly what you are dreaming of in prison. Pizza and a Pepsi.
2: Garlic knots. <laughs>
4: Everyone knows it's garlic you knots. Well, of course it is. Oh, what am I thinking? Of course.
2: <laughs> Speaking of getting sexually harassed, um, <laughs> Rogers is like, no, what is that first thing? Tell me. Tell me. Please, new guy, say something inappropriate. <laughs> Come back. Don't walk away. That
4: seemed like for the children who were watching. Yeah. Like, I yep. don't know what it is. I am so confused. <laughs> NBC. Can we just talk
3: about the fact that Sid and Nancy finally had a baby and they are about to go to the hospital?
1: Sid and Nancy. How <laughs> the hell's the call? I called like 20 minutes ago.
4: Will you please relax? The contractions are just starting. You're making me you nervous.
1: We a helicopter on the corner.
4: <laughs> <laughs> there was a theme to this whole episode of gritty couples that I really enjoyed. Lots of gritty couples. Same. It it really. I kept thinking of you know the, the casting on these shows are always fantastic and it feels so New York and it's something that I really love. And watching this one made me excited that Mothership is coming back. Mm-hmm. They're such like New York characters, like like the kind of characters that like even if you're not from New York, you're like yeah that's that's a New Yorker. <laughs> and it's it's, yeah. it's, it's like, a, you know, so much more interesting to see characters where I, I know particularly around this time, you would never see them on any other show other than like Law and Order. Like these are New York people and I kind of appreciate it.
3: I really like that the mothership is coming back and they're not doing the thing that CSI is doing with CSI Las Vegas. They're not calling it Law and Order New York, which would be so stupid.
2: <laughs> I,
4: that's
3: <laughs> redundant. So would that be redundant?
2: Law and Order and New Hope.
4: <laughs> and order I mean, and Law and hope. Order is New York. Exactly. Yeah, so it, yeah. This feels redundant to, to call it that. Yeah, that's true.
2: All the witnesses here seem to have superpowers, right? They go to find Frank Sweeney as he's the ex-con giant guy. Huge. He's doing the most Law and Order thing ever, which is moving boxes.
4: I squealed. I was like, "He's he's doing the box thing." I was very. Excited. <laughs> they're not
2: little boxes. They're giant boxes. Yeah, yeah. He's like the Hulk. going
3: he is so big. He looks like that dude from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, oh, oh
2: yes, right, yeah. Huge. Yeah.
3: He's like distractingly huge. I also feel really, really bad for the family whose personal items he's moving when they find out that he's like a hard white supremacist. <laughs> it's like, here, that goes in the nursery. And then he turns around and they see like the swastika on his neck. Oh, not great.
2: Well, Fontana threatens this guy. To talk to him, he slaps him in the back of the head and he's like, hey,
1: don't be a smart guy. You know how easy it is to get violated and sent back to the Bar Hotel, do you?
2: Man, it was like something out of a 30s film. Hey, we want to get set back up river with Bugsy and no nose. You'll be breaking big rocks and a little rocks. It worked. He stopped lying immediately,
4: which is interesting, considering that eventually we're going to get to the part that like a lot of these guys really are above the law. Yet that worked.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) No one threatened Fontana. Like, don't slap me, or I'm gonna kill you. Why not?
2: Uh, because he's a changed man. <laughs> he is. He, he covered up all his swastika tattoos, and he's, and moving, he's moving big boxes. And he's like, man, I just got like forty more years, and I can retire. But by the way, speaking of other superpowers besides lifting boxes, his. Girlfriend Michelle, who's working the pizza place. Oh my god! Just reaches into that oven and grab that slice bare hand. Incredible! Throwing it around. Oh,
3: gee, oh that's incredible. right, she did. Asbestos hands. He
1: shows up here the other night. I tried to explain to him about Vince and me. He just kept screaming at me, calling me a whore. Finally, my boss threatened to call the cops, and he split.
4: See, I just was staring at her in general because I loved her what we were just talking about before like ah this is a very specific new york character i also appreciate that um all of these wives weren't like little 20 something like no not interesting sort of like chippies on the side like these were like women and i yep. really appreciated that so i was just i was just loving her i didn't notice that she almost burned her fingers <laughs> Yeah, she didn't almost burn him. She just reached into that hot oven. Yeah, like, nothing. Care. See? Yeah, and not a- method, I guess. Didn't you know do the yeah. re- do the real research on working at
2: a pizza place? <laughs> By the way, as a customer, I'm not crazy about people just touching my slice. Yeah,
4: I, I
3: will say though, the guy receiving the two slices seemed completely disinterested in the murder conversation <laughs> yes! going on yes! with the woman serving yeah. him the slices. I'm like, I'd be leaning into that. Like, tell me more. I will order a third slice. Yeah, So I can hear the rest of this conversation. Oh, I think you just strange.
2: wanted to complain about how cold the slice was. <laughs> you put it in the oven that wasn't on. That's why you could touch it.
3: It's movie magic,
2: Kevin.
4: Movie magic.
2: Movie magic.
3: Do you remember, Lauren, like in the 90s, you go to a pizza place and like now you go in and you're like, you know, a slice of pepperoni, please. And they just like pick one. But remember you used to be able to say like which one? You'd be oh. like that one. Like, like picking <laughs> That's out your true. lobster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because like if you wanted to one with like more bad say I used to work at a bagel place that was next to a pizza place. <laughs> and it would be like, no, 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 no. That one. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like picking out Yeah, exactly. It was like picking a lobster out of a tank. And like the old Italian guys were very tolerant back in the nineties, in a way they are not these days. No, to the
2: left, to the left. <laughs> keep going around. Keep going around. Like like seven o'clock, right there. Yeah. Can
4: I have the one with more Broccoli, yeah. please. Yeah. And the, the one, one that's done a little well. Yeah. <laughs> Less bubbles. <laughs>
2: well, f- fewer. Fewer. Um, well, let's take a look at our cast. It's our very special guest star, Ms. Candace Bergen. Yay! She's appearing on this episode as Judge Amanda Anderley. Mr. Fallon's argument's a convincing one, Mr. McCoy. This is how the law evolves defendant's belief may well have been objectively reasonable under the circumstances. Uh, By the way, she's reprised this particular role thrice on the spinoff Law and Order Trial by Jury. So how about you let me mansplain Candace Bergen (laughs) (laughs) to you, Well,
4: Yes, this will be interesting. I would like to know how you would uh, do that. I'll I'll fill in the gaps.
2: Yeah, so daughter of famous ventriloquist Edgar Bergen, film star and Oscar nominee for Starting Over with Burt Reynolds. She pivoted to television and created the iconic character Murphy Brown, appearing in 258 episodes over 20 years. She got five Emmy Awards for this and two Golden Globes for playing Murphy Brown. And
4: if I can add, the only reason that she probably didn't win more was that after she won five, she took herself out of the running because she felt Hmm. it wasn't Ah. fair anymore. The only other person to do that is John Larroquette.
2: Hmm. Right, he was. He got like four, yeah. at least four award. Yeah,
4: for night court, right? Yeah. yeah.
3: So she stopped submitting herself. You would think that Murphy Brown would be on syndication way more than it is. How come we don't see it like on every channel? USA, uh, agreed. You know, all, the same way we see like Modern Family everywhere. How come Murphy Brown isn't everywhere?
2: I don't I don't know. It must be like on TV land like or something, right? Like I see right?
4: Designing Women on TV more than I see Murphy Brown on TV. WTF with that? Well, anyone Here. listening who would like Murphy Brown on television or streaming, please tell all the streamers. Because unfortunately, yeah. it's, not, it's only on Rewind TV at the moment, which is an offset of Antenna TV, where it used to air, which is the cable station, or you can use an actual antenna to watch it. Um, but it's not on DVD and it's not streaming because of the music rights.
2: Weird. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah.
4: It's really Man. it's unfortunate. It's very sad.
2: Speaking of unfortunate, uh when she was in college, she went on a date with one Donald J Trump. Yes, wow. she did. Yeah, she, he reportedly dressed up in a three-piece burgundy suit, burgundy patent leather loafers and driving a burgundy limousine.
0: Uh, I maybe I should say
2: being driven in a (laughs) 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 bird. She reported the date was uneventful with no physical contact whatsoever. I'm sure that was not for without trying. Uh, Like we do have a couple of hey it's that guys. mm -hmm. Hey, it's that guy. Can you tell us who's playing defense attorney Rodney Fallon? Okay. Mimi. Okay, go ahead, oh, Lauren. I finally, no
4: one, and you're not going to let me do it. <laughs> no, I'm Lauren. So who's that? Um, that would be Giancarlo Esposito.
2: John Worley felt like he could not get help from the authorities, and he could not get away from Billy Trammell and the Brotherhood inside the prison or out. He felt the Brotherhood would find him, hunt him down, no matter where he went. Yes, he actually pronounces it. Esposito. Oh, yeah. then
4: someone else say it then I'm embarrassed. I just assumed it no. was it's like okay. I would have fucked it up too. It's fine. Okay. Cuz I'm thinking <laughs> of I'm thinking of the other actress who s- pronounces it that way. She's Italian, I guess. I guess there's a difference. Jennifer Esposito? Yeah. Jen- that's what mm. I was thinking of. Or maybe that's the American way to say it. Oh, now I'm totally embarrassed. I'm sure we're t- I'm sure we're fucking that up too. It's fine. Okay.
2: <laughs> By day, he's owner of Los Polios Hermanos. No, he's not. By night, he's the ruthless drug lord Gus Fring on Breaking Bad. Was five Emmy nominations mm-hmm. while on Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and his most recent turn as Moff Gideon on the Mandalorian.
3: You want to get an Emmy nomination for that?
2: Yes. Uh, wow. You know, a, a guest appearance kind of thing.
4: Deserved. He's incredible. Yeah, I was so happy to see. I got very excited when I, when I recognized him. I was very, very Me excited.
2: Too. You yelled, hey. I was like, oh my
4: God, hello. Yeah. I, 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 be, I believe what I said was, Hello,
3: (laughs) which is a thing I often say when someone I recognize comes on the screen. I believe I also said it when Candace Bergen showed up behind the judge's bench there. Uh Hello, as if they're going to respond
0: to me.
2: Yeah, they're not going (laughs) to respond. He was in Waiting to Exhale as Dave Matthews. Oh, I mean, David Matthews. Come on. (laughs) Come on, script supervisor, really? Really, you couldn't, you had it just that close? He woke up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As a kid, he was in the child's chorus that sang the theme to The Electric Company. No. Wow,
4: how cool.
2: Come on, sing it, Lauren. I know you know it. I don't, actually. Rebecca?
4: The Electric Company. That one?
2: We're going to turn it on. Yeah, you got it.
1: I was exclusively a
4: Sesame Street girl. And I don't know why. Ah. I mean, I didn't control the remote. So, you know, blame my parents.
2: <laughs> Can you tell us who's playing big doofus looking prison guard John Worley? I heard Trammel got killed. I opened a bottle of champagne. I've been saving for my anniversary. No, but
3: I know where I know I'm from.
2: Where do you know him from? A
3: couple of episodes of SVU is where I know him from. <laughs> oh, that yeah, makes that- sense. He has that face. Didn't he also like, I think I also know him from, and I did not look it up, I swear to God, so I could be wrong. Yeah. Wasn't he like in Mad Men as like some like old-fashioned guy? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> okay. Because uh, like, old- he like like his old-timey face. Every time I see somebody with old-timey face, mm-hmm. I'm like... I think that guy dated Joan or Peggy on Mad Men. Okay, all right. Let
2: me, <laughs> let me assemble all of these bits you've thrown all over the floor. Okay. Um, so that actor's name is Gary Basara. Before Law & Order Universe appearances, uh, he was actually a character on Chicago Justice, which is mm. where Peter Stone came from. He did a crossover. as Chicago a, Police? No, no, no. The one where Peter Stone, Stone, before oh, he came to SVU yeah. and... Anyway, but you're right. He wasn't Mad Men. He was the head of Jaguar, right. who was offered. He offered to give the ad account if he could sleep with Joan. Joan.
4: That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. she, oh of gross. course. Yes, yes. And
2: so in exchange for five percent of the company. That's so, right. who's the bitch now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 he's got a recurring role in the Smurfs movies. Aww. he's he's hefty Smurf okay what's that That tracks the one with the heart tattoo on the yeah okay uh how much farther papa smurf Mm -hmm. not far now (laughs) uh who's can you name the actor playing the prison superintendent
3: uh discount jk simmons you mean yes (laughs) Ah, yes
1: (laughs) some of these younger officers are intimidated by these brotherhood thugs but not john worley not John. He won't back down to these thugs.
2: <laughs> don't know him. Yeah, that's the late Daniel Von Bargen. Oh, now I feel bad that he's dead. Three oh. law... <laughs> you didn't do it. <laughs> Three Law and Order appearances. He appeared with Jill Hennessy and Robert John Burke, a.k.a. A. Tucker, in RoboCop. I'm sorry, RoboCop 3.
3: Okay. I was going to say, Jill Hennessy wasn't in RoboCop.
2: <laughs> appearances on The X-Files, The Postman. He was the head of the military school they sent... The brother too, and Malcolm in the middle, huh? Had like an eye patch, and he's it was... very
3: central casting. That guy.
2: Yeah, you may know him more as uh, George's boss in Seinfeld, Mr. Kruger. Oh yeah, yeah. He gave money to George's fake charity, the Human Fund, <laughs> <laughs> and then when he found out he was mad, George invited him to his holiday, which was called Festivus. Mm-hmm. For the rest of us,
4: well, it's his
3: dad's holiday, really. The poll and everything. Cheers. Have the airing of
2: the grievances. <laughs> Look, we do have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. Uh, we have Vincent Laresca as the Latin King prison drug runner, Fio Ruiz.
1: He sat on my seat and I wanted it back. One of his Nazi homeboys jumped in. We just tussled a little.
2: He was in that SVU as the politician sending dick pics under the name Enrique Trouble. That's right.
1: Yeah. <gasps>
2: oh, the, I
4: remember that episode because it was a uh, uh, ripped from the headlines. Carlos yes. Danger. That's yeah. right. Carlos
2: uh. Danger. There's Stephanie Kurzuba as Worley's wife, Janet. Although, she was awesome. although later they referred to as Dina. So, <laughs> uh,
3: change names mid episode.
2: Yeah, he
1: was home by ten. Uh,
2: she was the mom of one of the murdering preteens in Glasgow Man's Wrath. Huh. And we have Salinas Liva.
1: Yeah, and they match it to the slug that killed Trammell. And one of the prints on the gun is Worley's.
2: You know her as Gloria from Orange is the New Black. She's doing her yeah. recurring role as Detective Rivera. She is the female Profaci. Oh, Profaci. Nice. And can you, can you tell us who's playing Jimmy, the guy who gets his pregnant girlfriend to the hospital? As you say, Sid and Nancy.
4: No. Oh, my God!
2: Get the phone! Call 911! That's Frank Bello. He is the bass player for the 80s thrash band Anthrax. Wow. No. Go ahead, Rebecca, name a song. No. I'll give you $4 billion if you can name An one Anthrax song by song? Anthrax. No. A soldier of Metal? No. Bring nope. the Noise? Nope. Nope. Bordello nope. of Blood? No. Nope. You couldn't do that? Okay. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Frank Bello started as a roadie for the band Anthrax, and then when the bass player quit, he became the bass player.
4: Amazing. That's like the yeah. dream. Good for him. Yeah.
2: It's like the like, Yeah. They just announced their next European tour. Oh. Anthrax. They're still together. Are you ready? Yes. Here's where we can catch them. Uh, <laughs> at Logomo in Turku, Finland. Nice. Bashkap uh-huh. in Frankfurt. Great. Or the Kulichaka Hotel in Kalin, Estonia. Amazing. Boom. Michelle's boyfriend is Vince. Yes. This mechanic who apparently Mm -hmm. just decides in the middle of the day, I got to go see a man about a horse.
3: Yes. Vince is my favorite character in this whole show.
2: Why is that? Because he's
3: lying to Michelle. He's pretending to be a tough Mm -hmm. with all of his man jewelry. Meanwhile, he's just skipping over to OTB and placing bets.
1: Yeah, I was talking trash because I don't want to look like a punk. But believe me, I lit a candle. I don't run into the guy. Well, your prayers were answered, pal. He's dead. Really? Really? Yeah, really?
3: And then when the cops take him in and they're like, yeah, so Billy's dead. He's like, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's like so
4: freaking
3: excited. <laughs> like, I don't even have to do that anymore. I don't have to pretend to be tough for Michelle anymore because someone did it him. He's so excited. It's adorable.
2: Not exactly a hardened criminal. But huh? I
3: actually see the appeal. Also, by the way, if there are three dollar tables at Foxwoods, sign me up because I have been to Foxwoods so many times and I cannot find a five dollar blackjack table there. I'm telling you, I've been I've searched forever even for like a ten dollar blackjack table. They do not
4: exist. So sign me up. Sign me up. I I really like that moment, too, because it felt very genuine and real. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, wait, these guys are cops. So, like, I'm in trouble, which they didn't actually say they were cops, did they? Did I miss that? Nope.
2: Because
4: no. I thought, huh? <laughs> they just took him away and didn't even let them know why. That's that's a problem.
3: We <laughs> were talking about the Sing Sing location filming or wherever that was. They were filming it.
2: They, they were- they, yeah, they did some on location. Uh, shooting at looks like some correction facility. There were so
3: many like funny scenes there. One was Serena and the other guard guy in the golden hour walking through the yard.
2: (laughs) They spent all day shooting there, Rebecca.
3: (laughs) And the other one was when Fontana and Green first arrived and it's like the grittiest West Wing scene ever, this super (laughs) fast walk and talk.
1: Billy Trammell dealing drugs? We think
2: so. Small time. He had a run-in with one of the Latin King dealers earlier this year got a
3: skull crack <laughs> where they're talking about heroin and smuggling and people be murdering people outside the gates and i'm like oh my god where's josh lyman this is so complicated i don't understand the dialogue and they are walking so fast down that outside hallway
4: did anyone notice that besides me it is the tommy schlammy error of nbc when this episode mm. aired so that makes a lot of sense that they might you know go <laughs> oh here's a new way of doing things we should take this on Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) I didn't even notice that because I love the West Wing so much.
2: (laughs) Well, the scene is, you're right, a lot of dialogue while they're walking up the stairs... And I keep thinking if I were the director and I wanted to fuck with him, I'd be like, no, we need another take. <laughs>
3: Come on. Come on, Fontana. <laughs> Come on. Come on, old man. We know Jesse L. Martin's young and spry. He just got off Broadway. Let's yeah. see you do a few more takes. <laughs> you want another
2: cigarette break before we do this? Go ahead. All right. So they question Worley at his home and he and his wife can't keep their story straight, right? <laughs>
1: they don't it's even just- try. <laughs> yeah, well, we need to know where you were on Monday night. He was home with me. Why? All night. Yes, all evening, all of us. Well, I went out for beers after work first. Remember, honey? Remember remember I
2: told you I went for a beer? Oh, such bad acting.
4: (laughs) That's right, honey, you did. (laughs)
2: well let me do my mascara and say (laughs) suspicious.
3: i love it i feel like it would be like how i would be if the police came to talk to us and you'd be like way to go (laughs) matahari i'm so bad at lying on the spot i really felt for dina slash jessica or whatever the hell her name was at that moment
2: so if his partner is supposed to be his alibi uh, he really passes along a whole bunch of incriminating information <laughs> nonetheless.
1: <laughs> he threatened John's whole family. And there were phone calls, anonymous letters, pictures of the kids in the mail, taken at school.
2: <laughs> nah, he was with me, but they hated each other, and he smacked them around, and he was sending photos of the family with threats, but I'm sure it wasn't him.
4: But then he pretty much goes no comment, which is like the biggest giveaway of the whole thing. Like,
1: so. Were you two together that night or not? I'm going home.
4: Uh, like, all of a sudden, he's like, I'm just not going to lie about that particular thing. So, you know. I uh, don't want
2: to lie to you, so I'm just going to walk away. Yeah.
4: I'm like, going to plead the fifth for him.
2: On <laughs> his behalf.
4: <laughs> Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney+, Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details.
1: Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait.
2: At arraignment, Worley pleads, not guilty to killing Trammell. Or Trammell. Or Tramol? Or... <laughs> it Tra- doesn't matter. Who doesn't cares? cares? <laughs> Your Honor, the Brotherhood will have a contract on my client's head
1: ten minutes after he's in a cell. Your Honor, please don't put me in the system.
2: The defendant is free to
1: request protective custody, Your Honor. Protective custody is a joke to these people. I'm sympathetic.
4: What can we do on bail, Miss Sutherland?
1: For an accused murderer? For a law enforcement officer with an impeccable record. I have a house I can put up. I'll set bail at $100,000. Sleeper
2: cell lesbian Serena Sutherland <laughs> says if Trammell was going to kill Worley, uh, he'd have to get the head of the Brotherhood to okay it. Marsden says if there was such contract out, it's been rescinded because having an ex-prison guard behind bars would be very valuable. His defense attorney makes a motion to argue preemptive self-defense that Worley knew Marsden was coming for him. They meet with Judge Anderley, a woman who looks like she's seen things. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy argues under self-defense, the threat must be imminent. You know, you can't just bring an assault rifle to a protest and start shooting people because you got scared, motherfucker. <laughs> but the judge sides with the defense, saying his perceived threat was reasonable. During the trial, someone leaves a threatening note for the judge, saying, if Worley gets off, you're dead. D-E-D, dead. Mm -hmm. The defense calls Marsden to ask if he ordered the hit on Worley, and he makes another veiled threat at the judge. On the stand, Worley says, Tremel? Tremel? Tremel. Tremel? Tremel threatened to kill him for years, so he shot him to protect his family. But on cross-examination, McCoy points out that Worley could have just sent Tremel back to prison for violating his parole. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to kill him. The jury is deadlocked. And Jack is unsure if he'd have any more luck at a new trial. That's when they learn that Worley's wife has gone missing. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. Okay, so McCoy has this meeting that he wants with Marsden from the Brotherhood. I'm
1: Jack McCoy. This is ADA Sutherland.
2: Hi, honey. And when they show up, he sees Serena and he's all... Hi, honey. Yeah. And she was like, "Mm, don't look at me that way. I'm getting lady love feelings.
3: Yeah. How come they don't have to go to Sing Sing, but then cops do? They get to, like, transport him down.
2: Yeah, I got an idea. They're busy people, Rebecca. (laughs) Yeah. The cops are busy, too. Yeah, but Van Buren says, well, you'll just beat traffic. Go for it.
4: Yeah. Well, cops get overtime, I guess. Yeah, they don't. They
2: don't. don't. like, come on.
4: You know, this section was interesting to me because- At first, because I've seen this episode, but I I saw it, I think, when it originally aired. So I didn't really remember what was going to happen. I thought for a moment that they were having him take the rap for the murder of this guy so they wouldn't hurt his family. I don't know why I thought that. that So when he said he did it, I was like, oh, okay. It's just sort of, you know, a usual kind of a case here. Because they're more where he came from, right? Like, the Brotherhood in general, it's the name of the episode, is going to probably come after his family, which obviously also does happen. Um, It's like killing one cockroach when you know there's a home of cockroaches Hmm. in the wall, right? Like, I mean, I guess he was just so frightened he wasn't really thinking properly, but I really thought it was going to come out that he didn't do it and he was being forced to take the rap so that they would not kill his family.
2: Yeah, and I thought that the twist was going to be that something bad was going to happen to the judge.
4: I thought the twist was going to be that he didn't do it, but like his wife
3: or son did, and he was covering for them like every other fucking law and order. Oh, listener, yeah. Like That's a happens. classic. That is a classic yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like the easy pass was the clue, which means anybody in the family could have been driving the car. I guess
2: we've seen too many episodes of Law and Order. Yeah. We're, we're like,
3: it's uh, like we're using the tropes of this show <laughs> to, to guess. It <laughs> I mean, they also the had that moment
4: where it's like, this is the kid, and then like close up on his face, and it's like, oh, exactly. yeah. Well, you know. That That's an interesting point, right? Like You obviously have seen a lot of these episodes more recently than I have. Do you think there gets to a point where they use the tropes against the audience? Yes, which I
3: well, think yeah, is very smart. I, I, I think that's right. really
2: smart. Yeah, well, I'll say that usually when you see a guest star, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the killer or something bad is going to happen Correct. to them. To exactly. have somebody like Candace Burke and come on and just be the judge and sort of... She's going to be dead. Yeah, it's like, oh, something bad's gonna happen. She's gonna have a good scene. She had a couple of nice scenes there, but it wasn't uh,
3: Especially when she got threatened, we're like, She's gonna be dead.
1: Your answer, Mr. Marsden. What are you gonna do, judge? Hold me in contempt? Consider it done. Ooh, sure you wanna
2: do that? And I'm she's like gonna be dead, And I,
3: yeah. I turned to Kevin and I was like, Is this why we've never seen her on Law and Order
4: after this as a judge? I was like, But then she didn't die. I was very surprised. I had a memory of someone trying to attack her in public, but maybe that happened on the other show. Maybe.
2: Yeah, it could be, you know, really, if you've got somebody that you can stretch with, then you should try to stretch with that actor.
4: Yeah. 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 I do have to say, I think that um, she did a much better job in a role like that than like when Diane Weist joined Law & Order, who's one of my (laughs) absolute (laughs) favorites as well. And I love her, but it didn't really fit. With her I and I I think that Candace and Diane are although very different actresses have sort of a quirkiness to them or come from comedy in a way and I thought it was interesting and for some reason that is something that popped into my head I was like oh she really fits really well into this judge character uh in a way that uh you know Diane Weist didn't which is terrible to compare two actors performances and obviously you know there's a comfort level and things like that but um they do really well with uh, uh emmy and tony winners in these roles maybe the oscar winners shouldn't be playing uh what was she the the da I she can't was the, she was the da but yeah. I,
3: but i think she wasn't supposed to fit in the role because she was a bleeding heart liberal who got like picked after somebody left right so she was like a substitute mm-hmm. so like oh that's so right she, i do remember that yeah yeah, so I, I liked her performance, but she wasn't supposed to be good at it. But I think that um, Candace Bergen's uh, experience playing a news anchor served her very well here, sitting behind desk looking authoritative. Oh, good point. Good
2: <laughs> well, point. i Yeah. got to here's another thing about Candace Bergen is that you, you notice that towards the end of the trial, all of the testimony was shot in such a way that you couldn't see that she wasn't on the bench. Hmm. Right, and she's like, "Hey guys, I told you I'd give you Tuesday and half a Wednesday. <laughs> if you want to take some cutaway shots later? That's fine." Are you but serious? Is that true? I don't know if that's true, but that? all of a sudden I mean, she's that, not in the shot. That's
4: true, right? I mean, it it could be possible. The thing that I noticed the most was there was a lot of ADR. What's that? Um, that the, the 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 substitution of her voice, like, was recorded afterwards. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, a lot. dubbing over the yeah. yeah I don't know yeah. if there
4: was something wrong with her mic or something happened but for some reason it really caught my attention
1: the note left in the courtroom can't be definitively attributed to the brotherhood Save your breath, Mr. McCoy. The note is off-limits
2: at this trial, Mr. Fallon. Well, then I intend to call Kyle Marston as a witness. That happens Uh, a lot on the show, by the
3: way. Oh, it does? Okay. (laughs) There's a lot of crappy sound issues on the show, and you see a lot of, like, scenes where all of a sudden you see the back of somebody's head, their lips do not match the words. Yeah,
2: or because of a legal threat, they dub somebody's name out, like Dr. (laughs) Delbert. We know we have to stop Dr. Delbert.
1: Didn't Dr. Delbert tell his patients? It's possible that Delbert is an SOB. Well, the louder the biological clock ticks, the richer Dr. Delbert <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, So the discovery of the threat in court, I thought was pretty conspicuous. It's Worley's wife who finds an envelope and then flags down the bailiff. You see someone left an envelope on the bench next to you, and you open the envelope. Well, no, you see the
3: blonde woman walk out. You don't yeah. pay attention to it's like it's like that thing where the gorilla is walking around with the basketball. Remember people bouncing the ball using that film. Supposed to spot the. You're supposed. You're watching the gorilla, so you don't see. Maybe you've seen that, where it's supposed to be like a witness test.
2: Uh huh. Anyway,
3: this is like that. We all see this blonde woman walk out. Everyone in the gallery watches her walk out,
2: and then. But it is it is it is way in the background because right. up front it is a cross examination, right, right, and it's going on and on and on. And the bailiff reads the note, and he runs up to the judge. It's like it's a threat letter. It's not a bomb threat letter. Yeah.
4: Maybe it had anthrax in it. Call back.
2: We already had anthrax at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) This was addressed to me. If Worley gets off, you're dead. And you you know, like when they said, you know, you're dead, they spelled it W-O-U-R. Because that's how they would have spelled it on Twitter. (laughs) Stupid Aryans. Uh, McCoy's counter argument to Worley having to shoot the guys that he could have just violated his parole... And sent him back to prison.
1: And putting Trammell back into prison wasn't going to be enough to satisfy his hunger for retribution. Only murdering him was. And Worley's like, prison? You know, I
2: work at the prison, (laughs)
3: right? I'll be right back where
2: I started from.
3: I hate to say it. Yeah? Because I am pro-civil rights, pro-criminal justice reform, uh, pro-people not... Uh, committing acts of violence to solve problems. Yes. In this instance, in this episode, I am very fucking pro-vigilante. I do not think this guy had another option other than killing this guy. I really do not, and I hate to say that. Witness protection. What about witness protection? No, but How would he go into witness protection? Like, no one would have done that for him. Like, witness against what? I mean, the only other option he could have had would have been to leave his job, pack up all of his shit, and, like, go somewhere else and pretend to be new people, Right. But that's not a thing that, like, regular people can actually do. Oh, It's yeah. just not. Trust me, I am the last person I ever thought would say this out loud, but, like, I'm kind of provincial vigilante in this episode.
2: So, Lauren, are you going to be Rebecca's alibi having <laughs> beer at the bar when the cops come?
4: Sure. Remember, honey? We That's were so at a shit. hotel. I mean, no, I, can't I mean, all we that were... shit just came out of my mouth. And maybe it's also because the guy was a Nazi that I also. Sure, right? Punch a Nazi, get a million dollars. Listen, I think that one thing that Law and Order does really well, even if it's a rip from the headlines type of thing, um, is taking something like this and making you exactly have that reaction go, oh, I do get why he might have to do that. And I, I think that really is sort of the core of the show. Uh, As well as all the other stuff we love, you know, people carrying boxes and being interrogated and the music and, you know, it's such a part of our life for the last, you know, 20-something years. But I do think it's good at that, to to take an argument and kind of put it on its head, particularly in the law part of the show, and Mm -hmm. make you go, yeah, you know, I, I do get where he's coming from maybe i would make that same decision in the moment
2: yeah well they like to say that for law and order the first half is a murder mystery Mm -hmm. and the second half is a moral mystery yeah and that's that's kind of what we have here although again it is kind of hard to be find sympathy for an Aryan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you heard sling tv offers the news you love love for less. less hey wait you look and sound just like me i am you
2: All right, well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for a Rip from the Headlines. You think
0: you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it.
1: Rip from the Headlines. This episode takes cues from the story of Judge Joan Lefkow. She was appointed to the federal bench in Illinois in 1982 and became a United States District Court judge in 2000. That year... Lefkow ruled against white supremacist Matthew Hale in a trademark infringement case. A Nazi website posted Lefkow's home address, and an FBI informant recorded Hale planning to kill the judge. In 2003, he was sentenced to 40 years for the plot. Two years later, Lefkow came home to find her husband and mother had been murdered. Suspicion quickly turned to airy hate groups. Meanwhile, a cop in Wisconsin pulled over a driver who then shot himself during the traffic stop. Bart Ross had been the plaintiff in a medical malpractice suit dismissed by Lefkow. He left behind notes with his plans to kill the judge and letters taking credit for the killings. His DNA was found on a cigarette butt recovered at the crime scene. Joan Lefkow continues to try cases in Chicago. She's an outspoken advocate for providing federal protection for judges.
2: I gotta say that I
1: think the
2: real-life case had more law and order twist to it, yeah, it did. than really this Agreed. one. Agreed, yeah. I yeah. was
4: thinking about that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because, you know, I always like to see more Candace Bergen, um, is I kind of wanted to see more of that story, and I and I think maybe it also was because I kept thinking, oh, well, there's... I think she goes into witness protection. Like, I don't know if I made this whole story up or it happened on the other series, Mm. Uh, but I was expecting more to go into that. And it sounds like there was a really interesting case, although, you know, there is a balance. Right. They have to have, you know, enough of the law and enough of the order. So I I get that. But, yeah, as you were reading that, I went, that's the story I would like to see. It, It also reminds me of the judge in New Jersey recently whose son was Absolutely killed, right. Like
2: yeah, it was a federal judge in in New Jersey. Uh, there was her son, as you said, was shot opening the door at the home. He was killed by a disgruntled lawyer posing as a FedEx delivery man. Jesus. There is a bill in the U.S. Senate that has been reintroduced to prohibit disclosure of federal judges' personal information to protect them from you know disgruntled folks. Do we need to do more to keep judges safe? Absolutely. Lauren, how do we do that?
4: I mean, I, it, it's really sort of disturbing to me that this case is this story is based on a true story, considering how far we've come and it happened again. There must be some way to protect someone's personal information. I mean, that being said, you know, any one of us can be doxed on Twitter for any number of reasons. Right. Uh, and I know people that that's happened to. Security or cybersecurity for people and women in general is is very lax. So I don't know what that is, but it has to be possible to protect people.
2: Uh, Bart Ross, who actually did do it, he had been diagnosed with jaw cancer. He received treatment from the University of Illinois, which left him disfigured. He said because of the pain, he couldn't get work. He got evicted and he was living in his minivan. He sued for malpractice. And represented himself, which always goes well. Mm-hmm. And so, Left Cow dismissed it because there was no actual wrongdoing. The treatment for that cancer will leave you disfigured. Yeah, uh, I had something similar happen with a with the neck cancer treatment that yep. didn't go so well. You
3: lost your voice for like a year. Should I sue? And should I
2: represent myself?
3: I have opinions about whether or not you should sue, but no matter
2: what
4: you do, you should never represent yourself. Lauren, will you represent
2: me in federal court?
4: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm sure I could get some sort of degree off a box top and help you out. (laughs) Yeah. From the Internet Law School of Nothing? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, if people can, you know, marry people, I'm sure it's easy for me to get a... Look, Kim Kardashian, although she doesn't have... She didn't pass the bar, did she? So, you know.
3: I don't think she's trying to pass the bar. I think she's trying to become a lawyer from that, like, apprenticeship program they have in California. Oh, okay.
4: Cut this out. I don't know anything about Kim Kardashian.
2: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, the leading cause of jaw cancer is tobacco use. Makes sense. And they connected him to the crime... From a cigarette butt. Yeah. Dude could not stop smoking. Man, that shit kills.
3: It does. It does. How, how do you not realize that that's gonna come back know. to you? I don't know. Was he
2: smoking out of just one side of his face? But he
3: also knew he was gonna die, right? You think he wanted to be caught? I think he knew he was near the end, right? I mean, he didn't he didn't he die by suicide after getting pulled over by the cops?
2: Yeah, but he'd pretty much gotten away with it. They were all looking for Nazis. Yeah,
3: that's true. That's true. Yeah. But
2: if, if he could have just not had a nick fit in the middle of this double homicide, that's he might have. Mm-hmm. He might have gotten away with it. It wasn't for those crazy kids. It wasn't for those crazy those kids. Those crazy cigs. <laughs> have you have your Paul Malls, Papa? <laughs> uh, hey, that's gonna do it for us. I want to thank our guest, Lauren Milberger. Lauren, where can our listeners follow you online?
4: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Milberger, L-A-U-R-E-N-M-I-L-B-E-R-G-E-R. Uh, and thank you so much for letting me come on and talk about Candace Bergen. Yeah. Say goodnight, Lauren. Good night,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca Lavoy. how can our listeners follow you?
3: On Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie.
2: And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn Handles Promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawnorderpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Say goodnight, Rebecca.
3: Goodnight, Rebecca.
1: Partners in Crime, in crime Media. Media.